Hi, this is Jackie with the Educating All Learners Alliance, and this is the importance of and how-tos of creating a student-centered school. Joining us today is Dan Cross, principal of Willowbrook High School. We met Dan when we did our school study tours back in October. I hope you enjoy our conversation on creating a student-centered school. So while we were on our school study tours, the number one thing that everybody noticed amongst, you know, several other great things you're doing over at Willowbrook was the student-centered approach that you took. Now, my question for you is, is this something that you, you know, as your time as principal, when you, when you came into the ranks, was this something that you planned? You know, I want to put leadership and put, you know, ownership towards these students that have a student-centered approach? Or was this something that kind of happened naturally over time and that's just your leadership style? Yeah, it's probably, a, it's by both. Mm-hmm. I've been really intentional about it, you know, and I think my years of being a classroom teacher, which were brief, only five, you know, my years of being an administrator, which was brief, you know, prior to being principal was seven, but in three different buildings. And so I had a chance to see some different models of leadership. And I always loved as a student, the excitement of like the beyond the classroom stuff at school, right? So then as a coach, how to kind of create that, but then flipping it over to as a leader of the building, like how do you engage the whole community in more than just school? You know, school has tradition, school has activities. So how do you engage more? And what we've seen then over the years is the more you bring students to the table, the more they want. And it's exciting. So started the first few years just kicking off every institute day or every staff meeting with a student or students telling a story about the success they've had, the impact teachers have had, just the things that, you know, from their perspective, their feel, and purposely brought students that maybe had not met with success. And so some of our most fun meetings have been kiddo being like, listen, I swear a lot in class and in the hallway, and y'all love me, and I appreciate that because I come here because I know you care about me. So using that to help build the relationships between staff and students beyond just um, the piece of um, what you interact with in the classroom, the hallways, and then making sure that all staff are seen that. Um, so not just classroom teachers. So every teacher, every clerical staff member, every uh, uh, building ground staff member, and and then uh, and cafeteria, et cetera. Because, you know, we've got almost 2,000 students and we've got almost 300 staff and all, all in on a daily basis. So you know, how do we connect to one another and interact and, and purposely talked about when you walk down the hallways, you say hello to somebody, even if you don't know who they are. So then you're not walking past a stranger. You're in the same school. You're here for the same reasons. And then, and then it just really took off from there because the more we asked for students to participate, uh, the more excited they got about it. And now it's just ongoing. So we do uh, eighth grade transition meetings. We bring kids. Uh, they're talking to parents about the realities of high school, helping to alleviate fears. They're talking to eighth grade students about the reality. We have youth programs in the community now that our students coach and lead. And um, so it's it's fun because the the door it's a it's a nonstop revolving evolution of of where are we going to go next. And um, so it's super fun in that regard. That's just kind of where it's where it's evolved to now. It's a, a train that's well left the station and it ain't any getting it back. 
So when we have hard conversations like changing a dress code or, you know, to be more open to student identity, the students were helpful in communicating to staff. Like, this is why we feel it's important. But on the flip side, we went to a kind of a safety security measure of scanning into the building every day. We were able to talk with students and they and, and then they were able to communicate to the peers why it's important to have that. I probably am really explicit now after all these years of telling, reminding adults that we already went to high school. This isn't our experience. This is theirs. We will change every year what we're doing because we have new kids. So if you like that, you're in the right place. If you like you know, things to always be the same year after year. And you think that that, that, that this probably is, you're going to struggle because we're going to have to adapt. But then they also count on the fact that when they bring things as a staff to me to adapt, that I'm open to it. So I have, you know, we have to model that as well. And um, so we're, we're, we're kind of in that always constant ebb and flow. But yeah, I, I think, and I thank you for saying that. I, I think we, I try to remind the staff that we have done some special things here that when I go and I get a chance to see other schools that just don't exist, you know, and schools are doing it now. They're, tr- they're they are, it's great. I, I tell my colleagues and new leaders, I said, if you, if you think student voice is inviting kids to a meeting and telling them what you're going to do, that's not student voice. Student voice is having them in the meeting at the table at the beginning and giving you the feedback on what it's going to be and what it looks like to them and how they can make it work. That's student voice. And you got to be vulnerable and open to that. That was wonderful. I definitely think you can see the sense of individuality and, you know, giving kids a seat at the table, right? That's that's what they want. And it's it's done in, in a beautiful way. I'm wondering, is there any sort of like framework or anything that you kind of look back to to keep yourself like structured in that way that, you know, you keep your you keep that in your mind. You know what what are you using to guide these decisions? It's going to sound like a cliche, but it, it probably is like what's best for the students. But that's balanced with the individual needs of students versus the collective. And and I think when we make those decisions, and then what's realistic for a school setting, like you know type of thing. So we jokingly say that we'd love to say yes um, or not yet. So we, we have some not yet's like people laugh, like, can, can we do this or why, you know, can we, and, and I'll have to say, well, I don't know that we can do that yet. Like we're, we're not at the point, but I think we've really worked hard to always find a way to say yes and keep that lens. And it has taken a while. It was a very adult centered community when I got here and, and as an assistant principal working on that and having to have some pretty direct conversations, but I consistently use the same thing with this, with the staff, with the parents, with everyone is that minimally every year, 25% of our population is going to change 25%. And that's just students, most likely staff as well. So we have to minimally look at 25% of what we're doing every single year to meet the needs of the new kids and the new staff that are coming on board. And we can't assume that we're going to have them assimilate to it any more than I would want you to assimilate to what I say. So kind of openly having that conversation. And I said, and I really want you to do that in the classroom. I think the fun part has been when they, we first started going down that road, people want, wanted to know, like, was I going to say no to things, right? Was I going to say no? So every crazy idea I told our team, we're going to say yes to. I, I said, I don't, I don't care what it is. We're going to say yes. And the more we said yes, the more creative people got and the better we got, the more creative kids got, the more excitement kids had. So kids now know that they can walk in, even as a freshman, like they just know they can walk in and, and propose something. 
So I had a, a young lady pop in early in the week and she's like, hey, I'm, I work with Best Buddies. And she, so that's our uh, peer mentoring group for our students with special needs. And she goes, I want to bring Santa in. I got somebody who's an awesome Santa type of thing. I said, that's awesome. And she goes, now, I know he's a visitor. So I said, How's, how funny is it that Santa's a visitor? And she's like, I know, but for our security, like she's going through the conversation she already knows she has to have. And she's like, so can he come in door one? I said, absolutely. We, we took the chimney down. I said, so we're going to go ahead and let him come in door one. And then he's going to have to check in with a visitor. And she goes, okay, can my mom come? I said, yeah. She goes, but she's going to check in too and make sure she's got her right. So those kinds of creative things, but in the in the balance of like what they know we have to do as a school too. And and it's fun. It's just, it just makes it exciting. I, I really tried hard to be in the hallways every passing period. I try to just randomly pop into classrooms for no purpose, no reason, just to say, hey, and ask how people are doing. I, I keep it you usually pretty like, okay, what are we working on today kind of stuff. And, and just to kind of say hey to teachers and and let them know like around and that that's not always as flexible as easy as uh, as I'd like it to be but it is it's intentional you know in the conversations so that we're constantly thinking like okay what's this going to look like from a kid's viewpoint and if we can't predict if we don't we, the best way we answer that question is we bring kids in and we talk about so it, it's really sounding like you're leading by example and that there, you know, there's no manual. You're handing your teachers and saying, hey, this is the the student-centered learning approach that we are going to, you know, put into swing. It really sounds like you are the one that is, you know, kind of paving the path. You know, it, it's a team. It's always yeah. a team. It's all of us. Yes. You know, it really is. And if the leadership in the building's not modeling it. It's not going to get done. It's got to be the leadership in the building who models that. And I, yes. I challenge our teams to do that. So not just my direct administration, but all of our department heads. I said, guys, if we're not the ones showing how to do this, then we cannot point a finger and say, go get this done, you know, type of thing. So, and then the last thing I think I say is that we're going to treat our staff the way we want our staff to treat our kids. Mm-hmm. If we're going to treat our staff with disrespect and assumptions and, and, and non-professional expectations, that's how they'll treat kids because they they don't they adults don't they can't disconnect that. If I'm treated a certain way, I just assume that that's how I'm supposed to treat others, and it takes a lot of life experience. So we've got to model that for people. So it sounds like there are so many positive observable outcomes, such as um, you know students seeing that they have a voice and seeing that they want it to be heard and celebrated, and they're coming to you with their ideas. Have you also noticed a positive shift in? you know, negative behaviors, maybe less bullying than at other schools or less reports of suspension, detention. I don't know how you, you know, record those. Sure. So when I started as principal, and it was just simultaneously within the district, we implemented PBIS uh, mm-hmm. at the high school level. So positive behavior intervention supports. Yeah. And, um, and we were one of the first high schools in the area to do it and in the state. So much so that then like it's kind of spread now to other high schools in the area of doing it. But when we did that, we started tracking our data and we, we came up with six or seven key data points that we share with staff and we share with parents and we share with kids. And some of them is obviously out of school suspension and school suspension. Defiance and disrespect was one of the big ones. So we rolled the bullying a little bit into that, but now it's a separate category, fighting, gang activity and substance, either usage or possession. And all of that has significantly decreased. And then in the years where it pops up for a little bit, for like a month or two, we immediately can step in and say, okay, here's some of the support. So prior to COVID, our freshman class coming in, in 2019, coming in ninth graders, they ended up having a bunch of different physical altercations. 
you know, you got, you got seven or eight different junior highs coming together, apparently kids, but mostly it was kids from the same junior highs that were still fighting from eighth grade. So they got a little bit of, unfortunately, a public reputation. They were the, the class that was going to fight and they didn't want that, certainly. And then we stepped in and said, listen, you've had four fights of the ninth grade, right? You have 500 kids. So let's, let's slow our roll. Like we, I had like junior high principals worried. I had, I was like, stop it. You didn't do anything. Kids are going to have something. That became, and through COVID and everything else, that that became the class of 2023. One of our strongest classes we've ever had at Wilbrook High School it was unbelievable. I get choked up so thinking about because how they started and how they were perceived and where they ended was absolutely incredible. And, and I think it was because we showed them the data. We said like, hey, we brought them together as a class. We said, listen, here's what's happened. And here are the tools that we have available. And what are some of the things that you think you need? And then I had a couple of freshman leaders talk to their peers and they said, guys, we're not going to be this class. We're not going to be this group. We're not going to be these things. And immediately change. I mean, and for the, for the whole build, because the seniors were trying to help, the juniors are trying to help. So we do, we track all that data. Uh, we monitor really, really closely all the time. Uh, helps us really pivot quickly. So we're, we're going to make some changes. We're going to need to make some adjustments for a second semester with some parties and attendance. But I'll take that, you know, mm-hmm. in terms of what I know and consistently see within our building, especially the first few months of the year is always a little bit of a kind of a get to know you, I call it, you know, mm-hmm. like how we're going to land. But what we also find is the students that sometimes step out a little bit on our data transfer to us. They haven't lived in the community. They haven't gone to school with, you know, kind of growing up through here. And they kind of get inserted in and they think they have to behave a certain way mm-hmm. and it takes them a little bit. And then they step back like, I don't know why I did that. Yeah. Like you came from a different environment. Like you, 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 you know, and, and so we, we have a, a student ambassador program where they get partnered up with a kind of a buddy, you know, the first you know few weeks and kind of talk them through and walk them through different things. And, uh, and that's been helpful too. But that's usually when we see some of our struggles is when we have students who transfer in. Awesome. Yeah, I think that that definitely makes sense. You know, the more you involve your students, the more they take ownership and the more they want to, you know, have that sense of belonging and and do the right thing. And they feel comfortable to be in their own skin and not put that wall up and, you know, be extremely defensive. What advice would you give to other school administrators or educators considering, you know, putting more of a student-centered shift in their school environment? You can talk all day about student voices, student agency, but if you're not doing it with students, you're not doing it. So like I hear a lot, even I, I get frustrated sometimes because I just privately, I, I see people doing guest speaking and they do all these things. They talk about it, but they never have kids with them. Mm-hmm. Like then bring kids with you. Like when I do my professional development, if I can't have the kids live with me, I zoom them in. So I do, we, I do a, mm-hmm. a, a admin academy for, uh, for new principals and as they make their transition, and, and I zoom my kids in like, I'm like, Hey guys, I'm going, I'm going to be around nine 30. What do you think? You jump on to like, absolutely. And, and I open it up to a group. I'm like, I, I don't, I don't pick and choose. I just mm-hmm. like, Hey, you want, so they know, and they, they'll yeah. talk about it. They're like, if you really think you're going to have a student centered environment, then you need students. Yeah, <laughs> you know, no, definitely. It. There's, there's yeah. no excuses. You figure it out and you figure it out. That's, and it, that's powerful. It's it, you know? And, and I think that's it is that, you know, should it's that modeling piece again. And I didn't even think about it until I, you just said that, like, if I'm going to go and help 
support new leaders, I got to model that that piece, right? Of like, if I say we're going to create a student center, student owned environment, then you got to have the students a part of talking about how to do that. Some of the coolest, most powerful moments are when we do our eighth grade step up days and our and our well, like open house, like. I, I open up open house by welcoming everybody. And then I got usually a dozen kids talking about who we are as a school and what the parents are going to experience that night and how they're going to do it. Then I got another 50 in the hallway that are volunteering to move kid parents, you know, through on their schedules. And it's just, yeah, it's, uh, so our, our next event is our curriculum showcase. We have but a couple of weeks here where, uh, eighth grade parents get to come in and see like an open, like a true open house kind of thing. And, and it, it's completely kid run. Every department has kids at their tables talking about the courses. It's every kid is, uh, every area has demonstrations being done by our kids. Uh, even the meet the coaches and activities is all run by the kids. I mean, it is really fun because our, our staff gets to see the outcome of what they've done to work with the kids. And, and I think, I, I think now as I'm thinking back to it, I think having students at the start of the staff meetings has helped propel that a little because they needed to be told it's work. Like, mm-hmm. this is really good. This is really powerful. Uh, one of the couple of coolest things we've done is we did joint professional development where we had kids teaching the staff the technology and or the staff then sitting down with kids and talking through, like, here's the instructional strategies. Does this work? You know, as we as we pilot this out. Yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty cool. The flip side of that, we've done, um, because we are such a cross-section of the world, I've We've done lunch and learns where we've had, like, for example, like our, our, our Muslim Student Association, our Hispanic Leadership Organization, our Black Organization for Student Success have done lunch and learns for our staff to talk about their, their culture, mm-hmm. to talk about their identity, to talk about. And then most importantly, to tell the white people in the room, we're not all the same. Mm-hmm. Don't put us together. Mm-hmm. Just because we're part of the Black Organization for Student Success doesn't mean that we're not individuals and have different needs and different pieces. So please don't say, we're going to do this for the black students. We're not going to do this for the Hispanic students. We're going to do this for the Muslim students. It's like, do this for students. Do this for for us because we need it. And when you hear it from a kid, like it clicks. You're like, because in education, we, I think too much we want to be efficient and we want to try to find ways to like get quick fixes, if you will, or it's going to work for it. It doesn't work for it. And we know that. So let's just be real about it. And And, but when it comes from the kid, there's no, there's no other response than, hey, I hear you. Thank you. I appreciate it. I think that's great. Thank you for those specific examples. That's mm-hmm. that's extremely helpful. And then my last question for you, looking ahead, what are your future plans for Willowbrook High School? Uh, great question. So um, what's next for this place is continuing to support kids at the level they need. So we have one out of every three kids at Willowbrook either has an IEP, a 504 plan, or is actively enrolled in ESL. So that's that's our general and our regular environment, right? You can't support that with pull-out programs or specialized programs. You have to do it universally. So next year, we're shifting to a more universal approach, every classroom having a more evenly distributed population of those students. And it's going to take work, and it's going to be hard, and it's emotional because it means some of the programs we're doing now we're not going to do anymore. But when we when we get to the the level of supporting kids at the classroom level, there's no better team than the staff here, and being committed to that because they will work endlessly to make sure that kids are successful. So I remind them of that every day. Like it's hard work. You know, if it was easy, everybody would do this. There's a reason why when you go to the holiday parties, everybody's like, "Oh my God, you're a teacher! I can't believe it. It's got to be so hard." 
right? Or I say like, you know, when you're an administrator, I don't know how you do that. Like, it's the best job in the world. We get, to, we get to do this. So when we get a chance to think about how we're going to do this work and it's going to be hard, we're going to do it together. So we're going to come, we're coming to the table. We're going to make some plans. We're going to put in some frameworks, but we don't try to over plan because we know once the kids arrive, it's a, it's a whole, you, you really got to do some things on the fly and, and make adjustments as you go. So I think I, I said a lot of words there and didn't really answer the question. I don't know what's ahead. Someone asked me that, like, what do you, what is it at Willowbrook that you want to see? That's not my, my question to answer, you know, because for what I see pieces, it, it moves based upon what we need at the time. And no yes. one could have predicted COVID. No one could have mm-hmm. predicted the, you know, uh, the, the election. No one could have predicted the things that happen in the world that mm-hmm. impact schools. So I think going into it with the flexibility to know whatever, whatever we have to do, we have the capacity and the ability to do. And some of it is going to be undefined until we get there. I think the, the last piece I'll just add in there that all schools are going to see in the next four years, especially, is an influx of AI and artificial intelligence. Mm-hmm. What does that mean for us in, in, in education? We had an initial gut reaction like we always do in education, which is like shut it off and you know, prohibit it. But the reality is you can't do that. So how are we going to use it to our, to our advantage? How are we already using it? And people don't even really realize it. So a lot of words there to say, I, I don't plan those things out. Yeah. Um, out on the building to, and the kiddos to help us. Mm-hmm. Plan that. Well, that, and that's, you know, that's an answer too. you know, adapting mm-hmm. to the kids needs, continuing to, to, you know, give the kids a voice and, you know, hope that in, in the future, their needs are continuing to be met and there's always a seat at the table. So thank yeah. you so much, Dan. Well, I appreciate that, Jackie. Thanks so much. This was Jackie Keenan from ELA, joined by Dan Cross on the how-tos of creating a student-centered school. Thanks for listening and have a great day.